Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. Research, reporting, industry analysis, information, and tokenomics. Welcome to Thriller Insights. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from around the world, gather around. It's time for another exciting episode of Thriller Insights. Today is May 5th, 2021, and we are talking, that's right, the Fed's grand scheme. You know, I guess we've been trying to go at this for about two years. We really we really have been trying to figure out like what the Fed was trying to do. We knew that they were going to keep printing money. We just didn't know like what the plan was. <laughs> after that, or even if they did have a plan, right? There was always Ben Bernanke's plan. You know, back in the day, he had, he had presented a plan of something called helicopter money. And we covered that in, in 2019, where it was about the Federal Reserve injecting millions and possibly billions of dollars directly into the hands of consumers. And we're kind of seeing that now, but not really, right? Today... And I guess we would say in the past couple of weeks, we've kind of seen this flurry of news kind of all culminate. At Charles, the Federal Reserve decided to keep the federal funds rate unchanged. Now, one glaring difference is the change that reflects the strength of the economy and the language here. Now, they're saying in this, they added the sentence, amid progress on vaccinations and strong policy support, indicators of economic activity and employment have strengthened. They removed the words moderation related to the strength of the economy there and added that. Now, the statement also was followed by uh, this. Inflation has risen, largely reflecting transitory factors and we're really starting to see the federal reserve's grand scheme here it's all taking shape and today i think it's safe to say at least from my vantage point i don't think a lot of people in the space have put it together yet but i feel comfortable you know saying exactly what i think is going on and exactly how i see these puzzle pieces fitting together and giving you my analysis on it um, and reported it back to you as I see it. So kind of let me let me kind of break this down, kind of how I see it playing out, right? So if you remember a few weeks ago, we were covering the, the Bitcoin conference here in Texas, um, A&M, and Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas CEO President um, Robert Kaplan, he said, and, and this is word for word, he said, Right now, it's clear Bitcoin is a store value. He says, it's obviously moves a lot in value. He goes, that may keep it from spreading too far as a medium of exchange and wide adoption, but that can change and that we evolve, right? Obviously talking about its second layer, the Lightning Network Satoshis. So go back and listen to that first Bitcoin conference episode. I mean, those two episodes, man, I feel like those are the two best episodes have a lot of information in them. They're just amazing, right? Okay, so we got that information. This is from <laughs> Federal Reserve you know, president saying this, CEO Robert Kaplan saying this about Bitcoin. This is a Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas president saying this. 
it, it doesn't get any more bullish, like clearer than that, right? So that's clear as day there, ladies and gentlemen. So that comes out a couple weeks ago. Now, if you remember last year, Brian Brooks, he was the he used to work for Coinbase. Then he went to the, the comptroller's office. Then he started doing these open letters. We covered it last year, late last year. And he started he started doing these charters for banks. And he he wanted to make it simple for fintech companies to enter this payment system that went around regular U.S. national banks, right? Because a lot of the problems in the crypto and Bitcoin space is these regular fintech companies, these regular crypto companies can't get any kind of, you know, banking or, you know, accounts because they just are just blocked off, right? So what's going on today? The Federal Reserve, here we go again. This is some interesting news today. The Federal Reserve is deciding whether to give financial technology companies more direct access to its payment system after many of the upstarts swelled in popularity during the pandemic. The central bank invited the public to comment on proposed guidelines that would allow companies with novel types of banking charters to access accounts and services provided by the Fed. Now, this is coming from Federal Governor Leo Brainard. They said, with technology driving rapid change in the payments landscape, the proposed account access guidelines would ensure requests for access to the Federal Reserve payment system from novel institutions that are consistent and transparent. Crazy. Now, this is coming from Robert Nichols, Chief Executive Officer of the American Bankers Association. He said in a separate statement that to access the system today, banks must meet the highest regulatory standards, right? And, and face rigorous oversight. Every entity seeking similar access to the Fed's payment system, he's talking about the Federal Reserve's payment system, including those with novel charters, should meet those same high standards. So he's he's saying that in order for these fintech companies to, to get access to the Federal Reserve payment system, they should be at this high level too. <laughs> he's kind of being jelly, right? He's being a little bit jealous. But the Federal Reserve is saying, hey, everybody's moving to their to these apps like Square, like PayPal, like Robinhood, like like Coinbase. You name the apps, right? Everybody's moving to them. Like Fold, like like just all these dozens of apps on our phones, right? What the Federal Reserve wants to do is they want to give direct access to these fintech companies, to these app makers, to the Federal Reserve payment system. Crazy. Okay, so that's the other piece right there. Okay, we got a couple more things. <laughs> I got a couple more things. Car did a lot of digging today to bring you this. Now, some more news. So, crypto investment manager NYDIG will help US banks offer their clients Bitcoin enabled services. NYDIG wants average Americans to be able to purchase Bitcoin through existing bank accounts. That's interesting. So you have the Federal Reserve payment system give direct access or are trying to give direct access to these fintech companies to their payment system, 
And then you have the NYDIG say, hey, you know what? We want to give you direct access, U.S. national banks, to crypto and, and, and Bitcoin. <laughs> it's kind of like they're both getting the same things what the other doesn't have. Do you see that? So they can both kind of level the playing field. Interesting, right? Now, NYDIG is expecting that this industry first solution will be available in the coming months. And this is for this is for a lot of national banks. Now they really didn't go into like which ones they are. Sure, it's like the the usual suspects, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, all those, right? Pretty much any FDIC insured bank account, you know. They're all gonna have their own kind of BlockFi <laughs> kind of like, you know, account attached to it. Yeah, get 5% back on Bitcoin. And it's not like real Bitcoin. It's just like, you know, whatever. I'm not interested in it at all, <laughs> as you could tell. But still, for the average, you know, person who who's like looking at Bitcoin peripherally, they can start investing in Bitcoin in their savings account, right? Cool. Whatever. It, it's It's fine. Number go up, right? So this is good. This is what, you know, this is what national banks want. They want Bitcoin crypto for for their existing clients, existing customers. Fintech companies want access to the to the Federal Reserve direct payment systems because this this allows, you know, people who are getting those those stimulus checks and their unemployment checks to get direct access to those so they can start spending it on there. Right. And then who else knows what else kind of helicopter money that's going to start getting directly injected in the future, maybe. We'll see. So all this news getting swirled today. Well, then guess what else happens? So Jerome Powell, who, if you remember, (laughs) if you remember, used to field a lot of questions back during Trump's presidency. And he used to have to take a lot of shit. (laughs) I'm sorry for cussing. I'm not trying to, but he used to take a lot of shit because Trump used to get on him about, you know, do this, do that. And he used to say at the time, and I remember like, I think I remember playing some of this stuff in the podcast. He goes, well, we never take into account political considerations. When you start speaking, the Dow was up 125 points. And while you were speaking, it went down. Can you contribute uh, to tell me why something uh, like this occurs? Uh, who is listening to your uh, your speech this morning in front of, of the Financial Service Committee that will cause the, the Dow to go down? Is this because of the cuts in interest rate? How do you explain that? I really, I really can't. I'm not following the market as I sit here answering your questions. <clears throat> okay. Well, I know the the uh, the president tweeted out uh, something similar uh, that when you started off, uh, the Dow was up and then the Dow went down. Do you react to that, or it doesn't really mean that much to you? I'm sorry. Do I? Yeah. Do you react to that, or the, or the president tweet about I'm- also about how the Dow went down? Uh, in the, in the, in the cutting of interest rates, uh, do you react to that? Or are you just it just uh, something that uh, happens. You know, we're comp- 
My colleagues and I are completely focused on using uh, our tools to support the American people, to support the achievement of our goals. And that's really all we're focused on. He would always try to say, well, it doesn't matter. We don't take into account political considerations. Well, nearly two years later, the Fed again faces warnings of politicization. But this time, from, <laughs> from wanting to expand, of course, the whole type of movement that's going on now, you know, and that's climate change, that's, you know, all sorts of other interesting issues that's happening to Washington. Just turn on the news. You'll see the, the typical things they're complaining about today, right? I'm not trying to get political. It's, it's all there for you. The reason I'm bringing this up is because you're starting to see the Fed shift from we used to be independent, <laughs> which was BS. We used to be independent from America. We did our own thing. We controlled the money. But now we see that that's not enough. We, we have to get involved politically and we have to do what's right for the American public. So now we have to make sure that that uh, we step in and, and we make sure that, you know, climate change is pushed and we make sure that we start overstepping our boundaries now with social issues and, and, and start helping with uh, some of these party lines and getting some of this uh, political capital passed. And they weren't doing this during the Trump administration, but they're doing this now. And it makes you wonder, why is that? Why are they doing that? Because if you remember during the pandemic, they allocated $7 trillion to BlackRock. And then BlackRock went and turned that into Chinese securities with the stipulation that China had to invest a lot into green energy. And then they started making green energy ETFs, right? BlackRock did. And then now you have the Federal Reserve saying that they want to start investing into climate change. They want to start giving direct uh, injections into the hands of, of regular everyday Americans. They want to start, you know, dealing with social issues now. And this is inconsistent with the Fed's long history of guarding its own independence. Right. So what we're seeing here is that there was an agenda <laughs> already in place by the Federal Reserve all the way since 2019, right? So I find it really interesting that a lot of people aren't discussing this. You know, um, we, have, we have a lot of different media publications like the New York Times, Washington, Washington Post. Um, we have like Coindesk, we have Decrypt, and a lot of them won't touch this stuff. And, and it's sad because they, they can't have an honest conversation with their listeners or, or their readers. Um, it doesn't need to get political. You just need to present the information to them, just like I'm doing to you all right now. Right. Like everything's sourced. You can go check here on the newsletter. I'm not trying to give you my my uh, my myopic kind of view on all this. I'm just saying that it's clear there's an agenda now and it's clear that there was an agenda then, right? Because this whole pandemic, if in fact this is where they were headed the entire time, well, that just begs the case, well, if we were going to have this recession here in 2020, what came first? 
the pandemic or, or the recession? Or was the recession part of the pandemic? Or did the recession already take place because of the pandemic or vice versa? Or, you know, what are we left to figure out here? But it's clear to me that the Federal Reserve is no longer proudly politically independent anymore because of what Jerome Powell is doing. And their grand scheme, which is today's topic, is coming into full fruition. That's all that's all that we're reporting here, ladies and gentlemen. So it, it just pains me that we have so many media companies out there that just won't share this like you can't have this conversation without people losing their minds, right? It's, it's kind of sad. One last thing, and this is where Bitcoin comes in. This is where I was trying to hit it out of the park with. It's a good thing that the Fed has actually allowed NYDIG to give Bitcoin and, and to allow crypto to, to U.S. national banks, right, to start allocating. And then it's also good that they're going to go straight to these fintech companies, right? It's clear to me that they're not going to leave the American public behind. I mean, it'd be so simple for them to just say, you know what, we're going to keep inflating the currency, keep inflating the currency, keep inflating the currency. The hell with the American public. Let's just give it to the to the elite. Let's just give it to the top, you know, 1%, top 10%, whatever. And screw you guys. But at least they're doing this direct payment system. At least. I mean, that's that's how I look at it. I'm kind of a half <laughs> half half cup kind of guy, right? I've I've seen I'm seeing the at least the good in that. Like at least they're they're trying to, you know, hand fit tech companies direct access to their payment system. At least they're, they're trying to give national banks direct access to Bitcoin allocation, right? At least they're doing these things. At least they're giving the American public the opportunity to buy Bitcoin, to buy some of these cryptocurrencies, to start allocating some of their savings before it starts dwindling, you know, at 20% per year, because it's clearly going to happen here very soon. Um, and that's the hardest part about all this is trying to find out how short is this window? Like how long do we have before, before this money printing just ends and it gets ridiculous? I think I saw a news report today where they were talking about how everything is going to start dwindling because you have regular people not accepting jobs because they'd rather stay at home making more money from their unemployment checks, right? So everything's going to start just like going up in price. It's crazy times out there, ladies and gentlemen. It's crazy times. But at least a lot of y'all already into Bitcoin, already allocating into Bitcoin. So we have our lifeboat. We have our life draft. But it's it's clear as day to me now that they're they're trying to get regular everyday Americans into Bitcoin, at least. And you have the Federal Reserve chairman say that Bitcoin is a store of value. They're doing everything but telling you to buy Bitcoin at this point. Right. Um, I'm just I just hope enough people enough people are paying attention. 
that's that's all you can kind of hope for. Is just enough people are paying attention to everything, because I think when when the music does stop, it's going to be a bad day, <laughs> probably a bad you know year following for everybody, right? And it's going to happen this decade for sure. Okay, with that, let's get into point analysis. So today in coin analysis is a a new topic, actually a new chart, I should say, but it's actually about a bullish sign from 2017. And this is a uh, chart from TradingShot, but um, this is kind of a new indicator that I'm actually learning, which is kind of cool because I feel like over the years, um, I've started to learn more about charts little by little here and there and started picking up a lot of stuff. And um, believe it or not, I mean, when I first got into Bitcoin and crypto, I had knew nothing about charts. I had absolutely no prior, <laughs> you know, training on it or anything. Uh, everything that I learned when it came to chart reading and understanding has literally been from just pure crypto and Bitcoin, um, and that's it. I, I, that's it. that's all my training is from is from Bitcoin and, and crypto. Um, that's that's why I feel like I know Bitcoin charts like the back of my hand at this point. Um, just just know them like no one's business. Okay, so today is pretty cool because we're going to be looking at something called Ichimoku Cross, and this is pretty cool because I had never looked at this indicator before, but I'm so glad I learned it because now I can kind of share it with y'all. So there's something called an Ichimoku Cloud, and to understand it, it's I'm going to put it here in the show notes, but there's a there's a lot of good, interesting um, YouTube videos surrounding Ichimoku Cloud, and you can actually use if you just if you just stuck to this indicator, you could literally learn how to trade Bitcoin and get entry points and and exit points, and that's all you would really need to learn. And you could play the long game with it, and and uh, especially during a bull market, this would be a good way to um, understand when it when to get in, when to get out. And it's pretty foolproof, like, believe it or not. Uh, I, I know it's kind of, kind of, kind of, you know, hard to say that, but it's kind of, kind of is because there's, there's like four different things that you have to consider. Um, and in order for those four things to, to kind of happen, they all have to meet a certain criteria. And once they, once they all meet, then that's your entry point. And then once, once that indicator shows a certain thing, that's your exit point. And, and, and that's pretty much it. That's when you know to get out. So it's pretty easy. It's one of those, it's one of those indicators where you could use and actually be one of those kind of investors, kind of like myself, where I, I am kind of like a part-time investor, <laughs> you know, where it's like, yeah, 
I guess this year I'm not really investing into Bitcoin. You know, I would say where I'm trading it and stuff like that, like in years past. But like in years past, where I would you know try to trade Bitcoin and stuff like that. This year I'm not really doing that. I'm just hodling it. But in years past, I would you know this would this is something I would definitely am going to look at, and we'll definitely have to cover it in, in future years where we'll talk more about this because this is pretty much foolproof, which is pretty cool. Anyways, so. This Ichimoku cross is a bullish sign from 2017. And I'll put the chart here in the show notes. But long story short, there's an Ichimoku cloud that is kind of following the price of Bitcoin. And then basically it's this indicator that shows um, that kind of you know percolates at the bottom of, of, of Bitcoin, slightly below the moving average, right? And to understand it, there's like some basic rules around it. Like when the when the price moves above the cloud, you know, we're good. When price moves below the cloud, not so good. So here recently, the price was moving inside the cloud, and that that's not good, <laughs> you know. And and there's something. This is all. There's something called uh, the Kenjun Sen and the Tenkan Sen. Right. And when the Tenkan Sen crosses the Ken Sen upwards, that's a long trading signal. And that's exactly what's happening now. So that upwards momentum tells us that Bitcoin is going to reach an all time high. But the only way that happens is if the price is above the cloud. Right. So those are the, the basic rules. So. If the Tenkan Sen line crosses the Kenjun Sen upwards, right, and the price is above the cloud, which currently it was inside the cloud, but now it's moving above it, that's a long trading signal going upwards. So it's a foolproof way to know where the price is going. And you can literally look here at 2017, and this is what Trading Shot is showing, that the last time this happened, Bitcoin went on a tear <laughs> and it literally didn't stop until we got to right around, gosh, I want to say November. Was it November, December before it crossed the other way? Yeah. And what's interesting is we can use this indicator and it'll let us know when the bear market's coming, which is crazy. Um that's what I'm saying. Like, ladies and gentlemen, this is like this is like a great indicator because it'll it'll literally let you know when a bear market is upon us. So, you know how I'm always saying, like, we don't know if there's a bear market or not. This indicator would would clearly tell us, hey, if 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 Bitcoin, if the price is trading inside the cloud and the Tenken Sen crosses the Kenjen Sen downwards. That's a short trading signal that the price is going down, right? And uh, this is where trading informs a lot of things, right? You know, that's why we say take a 360 approach to Bitcoin, um, especially in crypto as well, too. Like trading along with information, along with analysis, along with research, along with news, all that stuff, you put that together. Um, that's going to give you a well-informed opinion about what's going on in the industry and where the price is going. So this is just this is just bullish information right here because this is going to tell us exactly, you know, here in the future, like where 
whether a bull market's coming or not. Like, I'm so excited that we found out this indicator today and Trading Shot was able to share it. Like, now here, you know, six months from now, we can start looking at this indicator and say, hey, this there's a there's a short trading signal going on with this Ichimoku cloud. And then we can start looking at the other relevant information in the space at that time, you know, whether that's um, bearish news coming out or whether that's, you know, some OGs in the space talking about a bear market or whether that's further regulation getting discussed or whether there's, you know, on-chain metrics that are showing something that we are not aware of that are unforeseen or whatever it is. Um, we can start using this along with other things at our disposal and other tools that can give us a good clear picture as to where the market's headed. Um, so this is just another tool in our arsenal now that I think is pretty awesome. And I'm going to start looking into, you know, some of these books here for Ichimoku and just to just understand it better. I really am making a better effort this year, especially just to do a lot more reading than years past. I feel like I do a lot of reading already as it is, but I feel like this year, especially trying to do less, less watching TV and just more reading. <laughs> Uh, but I, I feel like I do a lot, but it's just, I just feel like it's just, it's just, um, it's kind of a shift for me. Not a Peter shift, just a regular shift. <laughs> okay. Uh, with that, oh, I forgot. To, I left out the best part. So yeah, Bitcoin's going up. I mean, that's, that's what that means. <laughs> We're headed to an all time high. Uh, that's what that means. And you're clearly seeing that. And there's so much bullish news. And we're going to talk about even more bullish news here in Future Predictions. Highly speculative token analysis. These are Future Predictions. I also forgot to mention one thing um, here at the top of the show was that uh, Mike Novogratz's Galaxy Digital is set to acquire BitGo for $1.2 billion. That's right, in cash and stock. And the deal comes to a total of $2 trillion. That's right. So, um, yeah, Galaxy Digital just became as big as DCG. And if you don't know, DCG is like one of the biggest uh, conglomerates here in the, in the Bitcoin and crypto space. Um, so Galaxy Digital just got to that level. So Novogratz or, or Novo, as you know, as he's known here in the space, um, yeah, is, is on that level with, uh, with Barry now. So it's, um, it's pretty crazy to see that. I think at this point, the only thing Galaxy Digital is missing is a media publication company. That's the only thing that they don't have in their portfolio. But um, yeah, it's it's crazy to see them grow this fast. You know, it's just nuts. Like seeing the space evolve the way it has. I mean, 
I knew there, I knew, I knew people were going to eat each other, <laughs> you know, swallow each other whole during this whole kind of pandemic. Um, I knew that was going to happen, but at the rate it's happening, it's just, it's just nuts. Um, anyways, congrats to Mike for that. Um, so today I want to talk about Bitcoin casinos. That's right. We could probably see one at the end of this year. And I say probably because Tillman Ferretti, or Fertetta, I should say, is the, I guess, CEO, billionaire, uh, philanthropist, chairman. <laughs> he does it all. Uh, businessman, uh, tycoon, <laughs> uh, Houstonian. He, he, uh, he is the owner of Landry's, which is like the biggest kind of restaurant brands here in Texas. Um, I've, I've, I've eaten at those places my whole life, which is kind of funny. Um, and I've known that brand my whole life too, which is kind of funny too, but they also own casinos like, uh, you know, like the golden nugget, um, here in Atlantic city, I go to nugget in Las Vegas right there. Um, in Biloxi, they have hotels like Blue Water Inn in Michigan, you know, Boardwalk Inn here in Texas. Um, they have a couple of Holiday Inns in Galveston, Hilton's. Uh, they have like Bubba Gump Shrimp Company <laughs> in Miami. They have uh, Del Frisco's, which is like an excellent steakhouse if you ever get a chance in Vegas. Oh man, the best. And then they also have. Um, you know, Joe's Crab Shack. They, they, they have a lot of great places, right? Well, he just recently came on CNBC and he had a lot to say about the economy um, and about Bitcoin. And, well, take a listen. It, it's really amazing. And, and looking at like the month of April, we're up 2% in revenue uh, compared to 19, uh, which is the highest in the nation for all of our business. And what's interesting is, is that New York is down 50%, and yet we have a fewer cases percentage. So everybody criticized Governor Abbott for opening this up last May. We've been open. And so obviously it was the right decision. But now what we're all fighting, of course, is there's no employees out there. And now you've got the new American Jobs Act for the infrastructure that is going to make the, the, the labor market even tougher. And what's amazing, Tyler, is our average wage for non-tipped employees is $14 in America running a 6 to 7% unemployment. That 6 to 7% doesn't want a job. You can get a job in any industry you want, basically, right now. You can see, you, I, I, I really agree with you on that because you see ads and you see banners at stores and whether it is Bed Bath & Beyond or Target or a local restaurant or a big, a big a national chain like yours, people are looking for workers. Do you attribute most of that inability to attract workers to the idea that workers are receiving and riding on unemployment uh, benefits? 
100%. It's the extra $300 a week. When I first said this on CNBC a few weeks ago, everybody looked at me like I was crazy. And then they all realized this is what's happening. And there's no employees out there. I mean, to, we, have, we are offering bonuses everywhere. And at the same time, my casinos are having record-breaking months, okay? That's stimulus, guys. That's where your money is going. It's going out there in all of your high-end department stores, your Louis Vuitton, your Chanel's, all your high-end steakhouses, mm-hmm. all your high-end hotels. Uh, in the last week, I've traveled to Philly, to New York, to L.A., and uh, I see what's going out there, and it's not just happening in Houston. People are spending money everywhere. And people are chomping at the bit to get out and resume normalcy. And, ha- and happily today, we find that we can now go outside safely without uh, wearing masks, according to, this, to the CDC. So if I were to sum it up, I think I'm hearing you say we do not have an employment recession in the country, number one. Number two, that the extended unemployment benefits, well-intentioned though they may be, is actually retarding a full recovery. 100%. And what's happening now, you're getting ready to have huge inflation for the consumer because the people in the slaughterhouses, the people raising the chickens, the people raising your produce, Mm -hmm. they can't find employees, so they can only produce so much. So what happens? They raise the price to the consumer businesses like mine, which is retail, which is restaurants, which is hotels, and on and on and on. And it's going to and be then what on. happens, we have to raise the price to the consumer. We have to pay more. So therefore, you've built yourself in the inflation that you always wanted. Landry's is now accepting Bitcoin at all their restaurant brands. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that. So it's just a matter of time before he starts allocating into Bitcoin as well, too. And it's just a matter of time before his golden nugget (laughs) casinos start accepting Bitcoin as well, too. Um, And what he was talking about there was inflation, of course, and the whole job market situation because of the Fed and its printing and the direct payments that are going on. But, you know, that's a thing. But you also have to realize, though, that these these restaurants, these companies, these businesses, they're going to have to rush into Bitcoin as a store of value. They're going to have to do this. They have no choice, right, in order to sustain long term. And, and I think this is what this is why uh, MicroStrategy and Michael Saylor's vision is is so is so fundamentally important. And why he saw this clearly, you know, clearly, you know, as 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 the blue sky on a sunny day, you know, he saw this last year and he clearly saw this before anybody else. He knew that his business was not going to be able to make enough money, you know, during this 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 pandemic, you know, year after year while the money supply was dwindling. He saw all this playing out and you're literally starting to see this happen now where these restaurants, these hotels are not making enough, are not even making enough to pay their employees a living wage. Right. So what do they have to do now? They they have to raise the prices. But what's going to happen eventually is regular consumers like myself and yourself are not going to go to these places anymore because we can't afford to. Right. Or. 
or we're going to go to them every once in a blue moon, right? Or what these 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 restaurants and these hotels are going to do is either shut their doors because no one's going to them or start allocating into Bitcoin. And and that's what they're going to have to do because that's the only way they're going to be able to to strengthen their balance sheet. And and that's what he's going to have to do. He's already accepting Bitcoin. He's already going to start accepting other digital currencies. At some point, he's going to start allocating into Bitcoin. He hasn't said it yet, but you have to think there's going to be a Bitcoin casino (laughs) or a crypto casino here in Las Vegas by the end of the year. I mean, this guy is a very smart man if he's already putting all these these uh, these little puzzle pieces together. Um, And uh, yeah, I, I just don't see how this doesn't end that way for him by the end of the year. And I just don't see why these other companies as well, too, don't start jumping on this. And you also have to remember, ladies and gentlemen, Walmart is coming up here later this month, you know, with their earnings report. And if they are, in fact, holding Bitcoin, which all signs are pointing, yes, we'll see. We'll see. If they are, it's game over at that point. I think every American company at that point is going to see what Walmart's doing. And they're going to be like, wait, why are you, why are you holding Bitcoin again? What are you doing? Why are you doing that for? Oh, oh, that's why. You can't pay your workers a living wage? Oh, okay. You have to start raising. You're not rolling back prices with that little happy smiley face anymore. You have to, to roll up prices. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Times are changing, ladies and gentlemen. This is this is where everything's headed. It's happening faster now. We're seeing it happen before our eyes. And it's crazy because, you know, one of the things that, you know, I didn't see happening this year and a lot of people in the space like Max Kaiser um, were, were saying that we were going to see hyperinflation happen. I didn't think that was going to happen this year, but you're already starting to see that trend upwards pretty fast. And. I don't know. I hope not. I was expecting, you know, at least, you know, 2027. <laughs> or I was, ho- I guess I was, you know, just kind of hoping <laughs> 2027, 2028, you know, but um, who knows? Who knows where we're headed, but just keep stacking. But that's all we can do at this point. Let's just keep stacking. And, uh, and tell everybody. Okay. So tomorrow we got the Ethereal Summit. Uh, that's coming up tomorrow uh, and Friday. Two days of Ethereum. Um, Ethereum is looking pretty good at $3,400 right now. Yeah, crazy pumps we're seeing here in Ethereum. A lot of news is going to get announced. We got Uniswap version 3 getting released as well too. Going to be super big announcements tomorrow on all projects. We'll be sure to cover that. I'm looking to see a lot of NFT 
new projects get announced too as well. I heard Showtime's gonna be a really cool project. Um, so there's gonna be a lot of stuff tomorrow. We'll definitely talk about it. We'll definitely discuss it and uh, we'll have it all for you. Hopefully, you know, before the end of the weekend because I think it's like eight or nine, 10, 11, 12 hours, something like that. So it's gonna be a lot of information to kind of condense down and get that delivered to y'all. I'm sure we'll get some great speakers like Mike Novogratz and Travis Kling, so that's gonna be cool. Yeah, look for all that coverage on Ethereum Summit getting released here by the end of the weekend. All right, see y'all next time.